was a great word, Kurt. Worship family. I like that. Worship team. And, uh, thank you. Did Aiden, Aiden slip out? He was our substitute bass player. He's, he's been so fun to work with. I appreciate him jumping in and doing things. Yeah, he's, he is a lot of fun. What a blessing. So this is the communion setting, the original event. And in verse 17 of chapter 22, Luke, then he raised a cup, gave thanks to God, and said to them, take this, pass it on to one another, and drink. I promise you that the next time we drink this wine, we will be together in the feast of God's kingdom realm. Then he lifted up a loaf, and after praying a prayer of thanksgiving to God, he gave each of his apostles a piece of bread, saying, This loaf is my body, which is now being offered to you. Always eat it to remember me. Remember. And so that key word there is remember. I wonder what this was like for the first time the disciples were hearing him talk like this. You ever have that thing where you're sitting in a meeting and you're like, We're used to it. A little while after the fact, we've learned the revelation, but they're getting this like, what you talking about, boss? <laughs> Thought we were gonna take over this place and you know, do this, you know? You're here, we're here, let's do this, you know? And uh, of course they would think that way and feel that way. We all would have too grabbed a knife, cut off somebody's ear, hey, leave Jesus alone, don't mess, you know, that retaliate. We'd all been there, right? And uh, they eventually realized, hmm, I don't think that was the game plan as they watch him get arrested, taken, crucified, buried. But this word remember when Abraham would do offering, every time he would have an encounter with the Lord on his little journey, he would build an altar. Why would he do that? To make it significant and to remember, this is where I met the Lord and this was the revelation, this was the occasion, this was what happened then. And so it was a place of memorial or a place to remember and to remember what? We do memorial stones for people because we want to remember who that person was. We want to mark their life, though they're in death. We want to leave something that says they were here. They lived. They had a purpose. They fulfilled their purpose. And this is where they lay. This is where we remember them at. So he uses this term, remember me. And so then we have this, uh, this scripture about being careful how we take uh, communion. He goes on, let me finish this passage. After supper was over in verse 20, he lifted the cup again and said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant I make with you and it will be poured out soon for all of you. But I want you to know that the hands of the one who delivers me to be sacrificed to the sacrifice, to be the sacrifice are, are with mine on the table at this very moment. So that was another awkward moment. 
what? <laughs> like, we're working hard to keep you protected from betrayers and traitors, and you're telling us that the one that's going to betray you is sitting here with you? I mean, talk about an uneasy feeling in a church service. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're looking around. It's hard enough not to look around sometimes, isn't it? Nudge your wife, nudge your husband, you know, hate that you, you know, that thing. <laughs> Are you listening here? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 11.24. 1 Corinthians 11.24. So the same night in which he was handed over, we often read this at communion, he took bread and gave thanks. Then he distributed it to the disciples and said, take it and eat your fill. It is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Here's this word again. He did the same with the cup of wine after supper and said, this cup seals the new covenant with my blood. Drink it. And whenever you drink this, do it to remember me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the story, proclaiming our Lord's death until he comes. For this reason, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in a wrong spirit will be guilty of dishonoring the body and the blood of the Lord. So a lot of emphasis has been put on that passage in the sense of examine yourself and all this and, and in time, come to realize that the danger of taking communion and not remembering him and who he is and what he did and remember what's in it is that he goes on to say, some of you, he says, this insensitivity, insensitivity is why many of you are weak chronically ill and some dying. If you do not sit in judgment of others, you will avoid judgment yourself. And so it's like, you're, you're sick, you're dying. And it's like, why, why? Because you're not paying attention to what you're doing. You don't realize the power that is in this cup and in this bread. You don't realize, you're forgetting what this is. And so there has been this uh, move and increase to move from taking communion as a sacrament in the sense that it's a ritual and realizing, having revelation, we're still growing in this, aren't we, to realize what's in this cup? What's in this body? This isn't just bread and it's not just cup. It is his blood. It is his body and what's in it, how powerful it is. And this is the fire that Lou Engel is, is in him and has been building for years, and, and he's about to explode with this. And um, he's giving testimony to it. And then this little book that uh, Benny Johnson wrote, uh, how long ago? I, and I believe I had a copy of it. I had to get another one because I couldn't find the original one I had. Almost sure I had this. Um, and I'm looking for a, I didn't, copyright date, 2019. So it wasn't written that much earlier before she actually died. 
So Lee, Lou Ingalls burning with this, and he says to, to Steve Schultz on that video we watched, he goes, I'm late to the party. Like, I'm not realizing it. And Steve's like, oh, yeah, we, me and my wife take communion almost every day. We take it, we celebrate, we pray over it. Like, we, we receive, we realize, wow, this is big. And we've had our own points of revelation about it where we got really serious about this. And I remember when Phyllis first, uh, especially she really grasped on it with both of us listening to the, who was the man that did this down the Brownsville revival? The original man? It was Jewish, yes. And he did a teaching on communion. It'll come, just yell it out when, you, when it comes to you. And when he did that at the Brownsville revival, that was the key when the anointing hit. Like the, the kind of the unknown thing. Here's the untold story when that thing hit and that revival went all around the world was they took communion with the revelation that he taught it, like what's in this and the power that's in it. Lou Ingalls getting revelations and things happening. There's a whole story. I was listening to his video of, of how different things came together and prophetic words. And he said, he had this vision at one point about people taking communion in their homes and every home that they took communion in, there was an explosion of light in it. Like things pop, 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 like things coming alive and people's lives being transformed. And, and actually that was, that went beyond a vision that actually is happening. It's, it's actually happening. I was listening to this uh, young man preaching from, uh, younger than I am, so he's a young man. His name is Peter Lewis. He's from the Upper Room in Dallas. And do you remember the song? We started, we sang it for a while. Um, we don't do it real often, but it's called Surrounded. This is how I fight my battles. The rest of the story is that there was, they were in a 40-day taking communion, like a, a type of fast where they were taking communion for 40 days straight as a prayer center, worship center. And one of the leaders says to Alyssa, who ends up singing that song, I think that's her name, uh, it's like, sing the word you have. And she starts saying this word surrounded, like I'm surrounded, and it's, it's out of this revelation, out of this event of them taking communion as a, as a uh, family, as a company of people, of a worship team that's down there, worship people, and their prayer, prayer, house of prayer, whatever they want to call it, the upper room. That's, and I would listen to all the music and worship music that would come out of the upper room, and I've, I've come to this conclusion. There's, there's a teacher behind those movements. There's, there's a leader that's speaking truth, and we know the song, but they got the word. <laughs> There was a word pre being preached and spoken over them. And out of that, same with uh, Bill Johnson and, and Bethel, like why, what's behind the music? The message. What preceded the music? It wasn't just some good musicians and singers that got together and was like, hey, let's do some good stuff. It was people sitting under anointed teaching and, and in that event, a, a true apostolic, apostolic person preaching and speaking and getting revelations from the Lord, out of that, these songs start getting birth. Same with the vineyard movement and the, all the powerful songs. I started re-listening to all the old vineyard songs and vineyards albums because I, I had such a history of intimate times with the Lord and, and things that I went through. And it was like, 
That music got me through some really dark nights of the soul. They were so ministering. They were so powerful. Light the fire again and hungry, I'm so hungry. And all, all these different, they were putting heart cry into music and we're like, we're connecting with it. Like, yeah, give me more. And so out of this message and revelation of communion is coming this movement and, and this thing. And so Lou Ingalls feeling the same thing. And he starts to get revelation about an entire revival. This the communion revival. And you'd have to l- listen to, to him to see how this develops. And, and as I heard it, I, I started feeling, I shared this earlier. I don't want our church to miss that. I, this is bigger than just a event in Colorado. This is something very significant. I don't want to miss that. And so I'm like, I don't know how, I don't want us to miss, I don't want our church to miss that. I don't want us to miss that. We've come so far. I don't want to miss whatever this thing is, this supernatural thing, this phenomenal thing that's coming. I don't know. And so this young leader down in um, the upper room in Dallas, he, he also hears this message from Lou Engel. As this has been developing for years. And he hears this, and he hears this heart cry, and this, this revival is going to come out of communion, which doesn't seem like it's not evangelistic, right? It doesn't have its own, like, wow, that's it, that's going to do it. Who would think that? Like getting intimate with the Lord and having encounters with the Lord and partaking of all the Lord did for us is going to do that. But it, it, he, Lou says this, he goes, this revival is going to have Jesus as the central figure. It's like, oh, wow, that would be new. That would be different because everything else seems to become the central figure of every move and every movement. And to have this explosion just because people are getting revelation of Jesus and he's revealing himself and there's this revelation, this power, this impact that comes. And so this little book is packed full of testimonies that while when they were sick and found they, out they had diseases, life-threatening diseases, one after another, people start taking communion as they like all the time, take it sometimes three times a day, whatever it takes, because they're remembering the Lord. The remembering the power that's in the, the, the blood and in the body. It is finished work. They're remembering it, they're celebrating, and they're declaring it over there, they would take communion to, 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 take, to take their medicine, like whatever, it didn't matter. Just that there was revelation on it. They were, they were doing things. And one, people, so many people have gotten healed and gotten uh, majorly impacted when um, Bill and Benny Johnson were going through Bill's sickness. All of a sudden he had an, a tumor that grew on his, in his inside of his small intestine, if I understand that right, or someplace there, but it caused him so that he could not eat and could not drink. It worsened to the point where he couldn't eat, couldn't drink. That's like the end of your life there, right? At some point, you're not going to make it. When they diagnose what was really wrong with him, they're like, this thing is too close to something important. We can't, we can't do it unless it moves a little bit. And so Benny and Bill together. She said she loves this season. It's in the book. She loves this season that she went through with Bill where this is about all they had. And it got to where he was so bad he couldn't take communion. So she would take it with him for him. 
She was sitting, take it for him, and they would still pray and still fellowship and still believe, and they would just do this often every, every day. Just take communion, take communion, take communion. And the day before his surgery was scheduled, this tumor moved the smallest amount, and they said, ah, oh, that's, we think we'll be able to, who's probably gonna end up with a colostomy bag, like he's probably gonna lose, like it was very serious. And in, in that right before the surgery was scheduled, and he has the sur surgery, is totally successful, and he's restored back to health. Then, then Benny gets cancer and does not recover from that. The mystery remains. However, to her end, pretty much on her deathbed, Lou Engel comes and visits her with this anointing and this new revelation about the power of communion, realizes she's written this book. And she comes, he comes to her and says, Benny, I'm not here to pray for your healing. Like, that's not my primary reason. My reason is, in the event of your death, will you put your, will you lay your hands on me so that I can carry the anointing of this communion because I believe there's going to be a whole revival about it. And she does, just not long before she died. So that just happened two days later after that event. Lou Ingalls with Steve Schultz and talking about this revival this coming that he had just come from Benny and Bill's, the hospital where she was. And that she had, she had done that. She prayed over him out of her total, total weakness. And so, so she does that. When this young man, uh, Peter Lewis, I was listening to his teaching, and he said, in, as he's grown in this revelation, like he's really right on track with it, and he said, I came to this place where I wanted to keep the blood warm on my heart. And he, he said, I had that revelation because I'm a hunter. I says, I'm from Texas, and it's not weird to hunt. We hunt, hunt deer, hunt, whatever. When we kill the animal, you, you know, have to gut it out in the field or wherever. And he said, the blood's always warm. And we're aware, he said, we don't do this haphazardly. We're aware, aware that we've taken a life. And, and the blood is warm. And he had this, and he realized he wants to keep the blood that Jesus shed Want, keep his heart warm with it, like stay up to date, keep, keep in that place where it's so fresh that it's still warm on his heart. That, that's intimacy. That, that's the goal for us to get to. I don't care what your occupation is, what your preoccupation is, what your situation is, what your living situation is, what your financial status is, what your whatever. None of that matters. What matters is that you can and that you should, the goal is to draw near to the Lord. And that when you do take communion, take it in absolute faith. Make declarations over yourself. The situations you're struggling with will be resolved. That relationships that need restored will be restored. That healing that needs to come to your body will come. That strength that needs to come to your body will come. That whatever your need is that you'll come, when you take communion, don't you dare take it religiously. Take it and realize the power that's in it. 
because there's going to be a testimony that arises and, and comes. Uh, and Jesus is going to get glorified like this is, the centrality is going to be, is going to be here. It's going to be him. They were in that 40-day communion fast when that song Surrounded was, was written. And he, and he said, the sound went around the globe. That, the sound of that song in particular went around the globe. And he said, there's a message that is coming that is going to go around the globe. So we preach the gospel, yeah. We know this. We know many people preach the gospel. But... There is something about this message that transcends, that is a, a true uh, encounter with the Lord. And, and we have that opportunity every take, time we take communion and, and every time that you take it, I would encourage you, start taking this at home. Like, whatever your thing is, establish this. And it's hard to stop. Phyllis and I are always in that, you're like... It's morning, and we've been up early, but it's still hard to take a moment to do that. Why is that? I don't know. Our flesh, I guess. I want to get moving. I want to get, you know, get here, get there. I'm running out of time. It's like, you're, if you don't start taking time with this, I guarantee you, you will run out of time. That is a reality. You're going to run out of time, but it will be the bad, bad thing. So whatever your need is, realize there's, there's so much here. And um, I was thinking, as we remember, do you understand, do you realize, I really just have this one main point that I want to make today. Um, turn with me to Psalms 103. Um, if you want to glance at that, don't have to. But um, I went down through, again, I, always, I often, often re- go back to Psalms 103 and reading in different versions. And um, it is such a list, you know, bless the Lord, all my soul, bless him. Um, and, and it and begins in, uh, I, I, I have it memorized in my other version, the New King James, King James Version. But it goes in verse 2, you are my soul celebration. How could I ever forget the miracles of kindness you've done for me? And, and it begins with this list of things, of gifts, of good things the Lord has given us. And... And what I, what I noticed, I, I kind of made a hand list just from reading down, just making a list. I, don't, I didn't write down what verse they came from, but number one, forgiveness, benefits of the Lord. This is the benefit package. You know, you have an insurance policy, and you look at the benefits. What are the benefits? Why do I pay this premium every month? You know, that thing. Sometimes it's good to remember, why am I doing this? Why am I paying all this money? To, you know, it's your coverage. It's your benefit. And, and so forgiveness is number one benefit product from, from believing in the Lord and blessing the Lord and the Lord and what he gives us. Healing, all healing, emotional healing, physically healing, healing from diseases, etc. He crowns you with love and with mercy. He satisfies your desire with good things. You go, oh, what? that's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. You... You empty your wallet trying to get satisfied with stuff. We're always on this search to satisfy something deep in us. 
It's why you buy the car you buy. It's why you buy the house you buy. It's why you go on the vacation you go on. It's why you, there's so many things you do and what's driving you. The desire to have something satisfied, to fulfill something. If I get this, if I accomplish that, if I go there, this, this thing. And they're not even bad things. They don't even have the bad things. But you, you do that. Why? So that you'll be satisfied. Here's one of the promises to satisfy your desire with good things. To supercharge your life. To get your life back. To shed off the weariness. I'm so tired. I have brain fog. I think we're fighting a lot of things like, yeah, we do. But we, we have a promise to overcome all that. And not just concede and go, oh, man, I'm, I can't think, you know. And, and the next person goes, yeah, me neither. Shame on you. Like, anybody getting victory over this stuff? Or are we all just fellowshipping in our, uh, Right? I mean, I know we're too close for comfort probably. But at some point, someone's got to step up and go, I feel good, you know. There you go. That you come alive, that you're like, we, you start to claim and proclaim. It's like, no, I'm not living in that. I could if I take it out of gear and coast. But I don't want to coast. I want to kick it in gear. Let's go. Let's go for this. Let's, let's enjoy and tap into the supercharged. To bring justice to the defenseless. Doesn't this, all the injustice grieve you to no end? Aren't you ready to explode right now watching the injustice in our nation? Like, better get a grip. Get a grip by realizing this is one of the benefits of the Lord and start praying this and going after this for yourself, for others, because justice will come, but we can't control that. You can't make that come, but he can. It's in his provisions. It's in his promises. So you start take communion and tap into justice. Tap into justice where you see injustice. It's grievous. It's distracting. It's defiling to see injustices. You're not okay after you witness injustices. You need therapy, honestly. It affects us deeply. Don't think you can see things and be, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. No, you're not. You just got touched by something that's going to cause a bad reaction. I was uh, playing with my grandson down in the woods. I had cleaned up some things, thought it was a safe place, but you know how, you know. And... All of a sudden, he kind of got out ahead of me. No big deal. He tripped over uh, some kind of weed or whatever. We're down in the woods down below here. And he fell, but he's kind of in some grassy grass and leaves and whatever. And I'm, I'm like, You're, and he usually just jumps back up. You know, he's fine. And he looks up at me, and he dropped the apple that he had in his hand, and then he gets this horrible look on his face. And I'm still a little ways from, from him. And there's some stuff in between me and him, so I can't just walk directly to him. And uh, he, he gets it, and he starts to cry. And he's like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, did something hit your, you know, what happened to you? I grab him. I try, there's some little briars and little things around, these little burrs that get on your clothes. I'm like, did one of those get up his shirt when he fell? Because it was a nice day, you know. And I'm trying to look. No, no, don't. Don't touch it. Don't whatever. And I'm like, 
I got it. So I set him back on the gator that was sitting there, and I'm like, I got to find out what he did. I got to go look quick. And I set him there. He's crying. He's in pain. I go back, and there's one, there are other weeds, a little bit of this and that around. It's not much stuff, a little. One little plant of nettle. How many of you know what nettle is? You don't want to touch it. Like, yeah. Evidently, when he fell, his shirt came up enough and it hit him. It's just a little plant. It was just a little wee, little, little, bitty, bitty. It doesn't take a little, you know. It was just little. <laughs> and it must have went right up his shirt. And I pulled his shirt up and welts, I mean, immediately all across his stomach. So I went and got some stuff and put on and he was fine. Witnessing injustice and having things happen to you, you're not okay. And you need to let Jesus put some oils on it, some ointment on it, something to calm and soothe that. You're probably not okay. You need comfort in that area. This is all in the benefits, it's all in communion. One of the benefits is the, the psalmist has this revelation. You don't look to find fault in us. You don't look to have vengeance on us. Oh, have you stopped to think lately that God doesn't take vengeance on you and how lucky you and I are? How we do take vengeance on people? We have this way. I'll get back at you. We go, don't worry. I'll get back at you. We say it sometimes playfully. That's kind of cute between us, you know. But what's bad is when you feel that, think that in your heart, oh, don't worry, I'll get you back. I will retaliate for what you just did to me, what you made me feel, what you, what you did. And stop for a moment and realize Jesus isn't that way. He doesn't retaliate like that. He doesn't have, take vengeance on us. When we come and repent, acknowledge what we've done, and we come back to him, He's like, forgiven, it's forgotten, it's over. Because shame and condemnation will cause you to start looking over your shoulder all the time. Is God going to get me for this? Uh, tell me, the, say that you can admit the truth. Reality is that starts to wear on you, and you have this thought, and things start coming back to you. You're like, oh boy, I could get really roasted for that. I really failed in that area. I really did this wrong. And it's hard to get because we're so much like that, but God's not. He removed our guilt from us as far as the east is from the west. That's a long way. So if you're still stuck in your guilt and your remorse, realize you're stuck in something the enemy's bringing because the Lord's removed it from way, way away from you. Again, if you've addressed it, I'm sorry, I repent, I turn from that, then you have the guarantee. These are all, and this is all in the, the communion represents your faithfulness to keep every promise passes from parents to children to grandchildren. Like there's just this constant flow of the Lord providing and blessing. And I realized these are the areas of battle that we're fighting about all the time, that we fight all the time. To fight condemnation, to fight sickness, to fight weariness, to fight accusation, to fight 
all the junk to fight injustices and to realize there's, yeah, there's a little packet, <laughs> the cup and the bread. There's, there's a way and, and there's a hope in this stirring and this prophetic word that's coming forth that we're going to see an explosion of what we've always dreamed about where Jesus becomes preeminent. And then there's this magnificently huge revival coming. God, I don't care what you think about end times, past times, present times, future times. That set all that aside. Just look at look at this. That Jesus is going to become preeminent. That he's going to come. And that as we believe more in the power of, of what's in the body and blood of Jesus than we do in all the other things. We're going to witness some amazing, amazing things. I don't want to miss that. And these benefits, this, this, is, the, this is the battlefront for us to fight for these things, to hang in there for these things. And, and when you start to put the picture, the pieces together, of this, of how this is moving together, I'm so excited. I went, wow! I got to go to Colorado. I got to be a part of this thing. At the, uh, it's, what's it called, the Broadmoor World Arena or something like that? Some thing that's kind of nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. And uh, and Lou says it's 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 America's mountain. You know, it's like our it's our main our mountain that's designated. Pikes Peak, like this place, and, and I realize this is going to spread. So every time we take communion, take it with all of your heart. Bring your needs first to Jesus, first, second, third, and look at all the things that you have and go, I'm going to press in. I'm doing this. I'm doing this in my life. I'm pressing in to the provision that God has and making that a priority. I'm like stubbornly doing it. Like, no, I'm going after this. There's an answer. The Lord has an answer for this. He has a provision for this. He, he's, he's going to, and, I, and I'm having the Lord, like he's even, I think he sets us up sometimes. I'm having to contend for some things that I just wish were automatic. You know, don't you wish some of this was just automatic? I wouldn't have to fight for anything. I wouldn't have to stand for it. I wouldn't have to believe for it. It's just, it just, Good stuff just automatically follows me. It, it kind of does, and it would, except you have an enemy that makes sure it gets interfered, delayed, that your mail doesn't get to you, that your, that your promise doesn't make it to you, that a spirit withholds what belongs to you, that, that what is yours gets stolen just when you get ahead. How many of you have that testimony? I work hard. I... I'm still not, it's still not enough. I work harder. It's still not enough. Like, it's never enough. It's, it's, never, it's never enough. That's a horrible feeling, especially when you're trying as hard as you can to realize there could be a key. Tap into the secret. Tap into putting the Lord first in your stuff. Tithe into giving to Jesus the way he gives with your giving. Tap into taking communion and believing primer. First of all, he is enough. He satisfies my soul.
and take your needs and turn to him, look to him. Let's pray. Father, keep us fresh. Keep the blood warm in our hearts. We stay close to you. We have revelation about who you are, that we don't give up and that we don't become cold-hearted, that we realize there's fire coming, there's more coming, that this message of the gospel is yet to be made famous. And I want to be around, and I want to be a part of that move and that movement so that we can, so the gospel truly has the power to transform lives, to transform lives. And that it is not about my ability to persuade or to argue something, but it's about your ability to prove yourself glorious and famous and amazing. So we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Keep us in your care as we just turn our hearts to know you fully, to know you completely. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> you were faithful to me when I wasn't. The Lord has laid on my heart several times over the last couple of days this idea of family. <clears throat> Pam put so much time and effort into these events that she creates for our family, and sometimes I know she feels like giving up. Yesterday, we had um, all five of our kids and eight grandkids together, and uh, it was so worth it. We just uh, talked about uh, how important it is for us to keep this the family ties and, and keep these things going. And then uh, my boss had called me on Friday, and she has several sales reps. And she says, we're, a, we're the greatest sales team in the country. But she said, more importantly, we're coming together as a family. We check on one another. We care for one another. And this concept of family came up again. And then Nicholas's team uh, had played a game, and, and the players uh, on the other team, instead of having their names on the back of their jersey, it all said family. So I just kept getting hit with this family, 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 and I want to speak the word family over our church because God created us for relationships, and, and what relationship in our entire life is more important than our marriages and our family? So I want to speak that concept of family over us all, and I ask that you receive that. The family is where we learn how to comfort one another and check on one another, and it our family is who we, we pray for the most, and it's who we love the most, and it's who we sacrifice for the most. When Paul talked to the husbands uh, in, at Ephesus, he said, love your wives the way Jesus loved you with sacrifice. And so I want us to receive that. I don't want to go to church with acquaintances. I want to go to church with family. I want to worship here with people that care about me and would pray for me. I want, to, I, I want to go to church with people that love me and would sacrifice for me. So I want us to be a family. It's, it's greater 
than acquaintances. It's greater than a team. Maybe the worship team should be called worship family now. So come this morning as we're called to do in, in Scripture. Come as brothers and sisters. Come to the communion table as family.